this message into two, but really the more I got to ponder it, the more I got to think about it, the more I got to enjoying it, the more I said, all right, I got to cut this into two different parts, and um, I think you'll you'll get the benefit of it really as we start to understand this, and then next week we finish it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Really, we walk sometimes very lonesome way. doesn't matter how many friends you have, doesn't matter how many people love you, sometimes there's no way on earth anybody could relate to you. Nobody could really understand what you're going through. So you wonder, you ask yourself, where's God in those times? And uh, Hebrews 13 tells you where he is, but it's learning to perceive him, learning to sense his presence I want to talk about tonight. Hebrews 13, the verse 5, says this. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Remember all the things you think you need or have needed in order to live, in order to be happy. Well, a Christian's conversation should be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. How do you do that? Well, it's because he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So when we start to talk about this thing, I'm talking about sensor, sensory. You know, I kind of have fun with some people. I'll come up behind Andrew, and I'll be on this side of him, and I'll tap him on that shoulder, and he'll turn his head over that way, and I get a good laugh, and he wants to punch. And... uh, you know, we, we, we feel a little touch on our on our shoulder or whatever. We turn that way. We can sense when somebody's there. They have telescopes that can sense the faintest light. There are spy telescopes up in the in space that pointed down to Earth that can actually, they say, they can actually tell what page of the paper you're on when you're reading it. I don't know, somebody somebody boasted that they could probably even read the, what you're reading, but it's, they, they have incredible abilities to see. Um, and you're driving along the road, you see one of these little um, weather stations. Have you seen them alongside the road? Those things are reporting to them that Aaron doesn't help them at all to tell, the, to tell what the weather is. But anyway, they're all over the country. They're sensing wind speed and temperature. We have all kinds of sensors. But very few people sense God. Now, I remember when I got saved, I sensed... I, but when I got saved, I sensed the judgment of God. I sensed that I was on the wrong side of God. Anybody else like that? I sensed that I was doomed, I was going to hell. And I remember when I got saved, that very moment, I sensed a freedom, a, 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 a release. And it's just like if you ever read Pilgrim's Progress, it's like a sack of stones rolled off your back. I sensed that. Uh, I've told you, I wish I was Pentecostal so I could get saved again and again and again and again and again because it was so good. I remember all that. Now, there's some questions that maybe you've asked, and the questions are very basic that any Christian asks. Is, does God really promise to never leave us? Jesus says, I'll never leave you. Jesus says, I will be with you to the end of the world. Does he really promise that? Well, why don't we feel him more? Why don't, why don't I, how come I felt him maybe when I first got saved? How come I don't feel him now? Well, obvious question is how do we become more aware of his presence? That's my purpose tonight, to get you to be able to stop and be able to say, Lord, I want to get into the place where I sense you. And then I want to talk a little bit about what's it like when he is near. Some people don't know, they're kind of waiting for this rushing, you know, feel, um, and, and it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes his presence is the opposite of what you expect. So we're going to talk about all these things. We're going to try to. Now, you're in good company because David had trouble sensing God's presence. Go to Psalm 10. Psalm 10. David, a man after God's own heart, a man who walked with God, loved God, seemed to, seemed to never lack for sensing the presence of God, well, you need to read Psalms and you'll find Psalm 10, verse 1, David crying out, Why standest thou, look at the next words, afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? Now that's a slam. That's David saying, God, when I got into trouble, you seem to take a hike. You seem to go on holiday. What happened to you? He missed sensing the presence of God at that moment. Now, 
look at Psalm 139. Psalm 139. <clears throat> 13 verses. He, just the 13 verses I want to look at. Verse 1. I'm uh, just going to give you a context here. This is the same David. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down. Thou art acquainted with all my ways. He's describing as if God is in his life, as if God's just with him all along his way. For there is not a word in my tongue, but Lord, oh, but, but, but lo, O oh Lord, thou knowest it altogether, even before I speak it. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. What's David describing? The presence of God. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy... What's the next word? All right, so David here knows, I can't get away from you. If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the earth, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, well, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reins, my innermost being. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. He goes on to describe about being created um, from the womb. David has the right understanding of the presence of God intellectually. But he still felt like God wasn't there sometimes. Does that make sense? All right. Job also had a real hard time sensing it. Job's a little more descriptive. I like Job. Uh, Job uh, 23. Job chapter 23 and verse 8. Job chapter 23 and verse 8. Then I want you to find chapter 38 in your right hand just for time. Job chapter 38. So you're in 23 and then go chapter 38 in the right hand. All right. Job 23 and verse 8 says this. Behold, I go forward. Wait a minute. He, God, is not there. Backward. But I cannot. What's that word? All right. So that word is a very Bible word. Perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, I can hear him working, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So to Job, he's looking for God. He can't sense him. He doesn't feel him. But he's got his word. He says, well, I'll hold on to his words. Go to Job chapter 38. God comes along and actually does answer Job. And, and it was as if face to face. Job chapter 38, verse 1 to 4. Through all of that book, Job cries out, oh, that I could speak face to face with God. He didn't really believe that it would ever happen. But it did. In chapter 38, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? What a slam. Who is this that's messing with my wisdom? Gird up now thy loins like a man. Talking to Job. For I will demand of thee and answer thou me. And then he begins to ask a series of questions. Where was thou when I uh, laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understand. You know, I think Job's mouth dropped God's speaking to him. He's in the presence of God. It must have been awesome. But in, in the book of Job, he didn't sense that presence. So just I want you to understand, you're in good company when you say, I haven't felt or I don't know how to sense the presence of God. <laughs> and I'd like to help you with that. I'd like to show you some of the things that I've seen and learned from the Bible. First of all, we have the promise of Christ's premise, uh, presence. Sorry. Hebrews 13, he says, for he has said, well, the next word, somebody quoted for me. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a pretty good promise, would you agree? It's a very good promise. All right. 
So God's presence, let's talk about this for a minute, was lost at first. Genesis chapter 1, we're not going to go there, but when, when God made man, was, uh, where was God? He was with him. God's presence was there. Uh, it, was, it was natural, it was normal for Adam and then ultimately Eve to sense and to enjoy the presence of God. They never knew what it meant to be without God at all. They would go to sleep, they'd wake up, they knew God was there. You ever been afraid? You ever woke up scared in the middle of the night, terrified, Some something just got you? Something just got a grip on your heart, you're, you're panicking or whatever? Adam and Eve never felt that. They had the mighty presence of Almighty God there. But then, Genesis chapter 3, Satan drives a wedge between man and God. And now creation groans since that separation. Now, that's, that's the beginning of this thing. Aren't you glad that God wanted this back? Because God could have said, they don't want me, I don't want them. Thankfully, God wanted us back. Uh, and he, and he, it's just, it's just, thankfully, he, it brings us to the point that God is not far from anyone. Go to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. I'll go ahead and, and start bothering people and have people read now. Acts 17. Dean, since you're here, Acts 17 and verse 27. This is Apostle Paul preaching in Greece, in Athens, on a hill called Mars Hill, which was a big debating arena. And listen to his words as he speaks of God in Acts 17, 27. All right, so he's describing somebody who's blind, and they're feeling their way, and Paul says, God is not far from anyone. And if they really want to find him, they can, because he's not far from anybody. And that's a good news, isn't it? That's a good news. God's not... Listen, I may be far away from God. You can get very far from God, but God will never be very far from us. All right. So, it is throughout the Old Testament, the presence of Christ is typified and shown throughout the Old Testament. Uh, at Mount Sinai. Now, how was Mount Sinai a shadow of the presence of God? Anybody want to try to think about that? Yes, ma'am. It was overshadowed by a cloud, but God spoke from that mountain as if he was in the mountain, as if he was there. And everybody, they were terrified at the presence of God. So God is letting them know he's not this puny little guy. I remember I was in Bible college, and I have to tell some things that are kind of funny. <clears throat> we had a guy the first year, and, and the teacher was up there speaking away. He was going through the Old Testament, doing an overview of the Old Testament. He mentioned Mount Sinai, and this, this kid raised his hand and said, how do we know God's voice isn't high? <laughs> I, he was just joking and everything, and I looked at him. And we all looked at him and everything. But you got to think about it. You know why his voice is not a high pitch voice. Because when he spoke, it thundered. His presence was awesome. His presence was terrifying. And that was a type of, when you're talking to God, that's the God you're talking to. And yet he controls his strength. You see these guys who are just muscle men and they're incredible and then they pick up a baby and they're like, they're like super gentle. That's God. I mean, he is awesome and yet when he deals with me, he is super gentle. But he reminds me, he is awesome. Don't forget that. It's typified in Mount Sinai. Another one, how about the cloud by day and the fire by night? As they went through the wilderness, that little tent called the tabernacle, God would, would hover over it in the form of a cloud. Or a fire. Why was he doing that? To show, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, that tent will be where I stay. You guys stay in tents, I'll stay, stay in tents. Uh, the Holy Spirit, here's Samson. Samson's no bigger than, than, than most of the rest of us. And, uh, but here comes Samson. I'm sure he was a muscle man. I'm sure he was strong by nature. But there's nobody who could have taken on a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass, except that the Holy Spirit came upon him. So that was the presence of God in him. Wouldn't you like to know that limit of his power and his presence? So you see the Holy Spirit coming on people at different times, showing what's it like to have the presence of God. Then how about the light filling the tabernacle? There were times when this, the, the glory of the presence of God in that tabernacle was blinding. Nobody could approach to it. 
that typified, that showed the presence of God. Somebody, anybody think of another one? On the list four, there's at least a dozen times in the Old Testament where the presence of God, specifically of even Jesus Christ, not Andrew, specifically of even Jesus Christ showing up in the life of somebody in the Old Testament. Yes, sir? The burning bush. I think that's brilliant. Excellent. I hadn't thought of that. But yes, there's, there's Moses. Moses hasn't talked to God, doesn't know what God's like, and there he is talking to him as if face-to-face in that burning bush. Anybody else? Dean. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're thrown into that, that den. Can you imagine that burning fush, uh, furnace? As they're thrown into that burning furnace, you think about it. As they get ready to hit the ground, there's somebody down there going, Hey, boys, you want some pizza? I mean, they call God, God's son, even Nebuchadnezzar says he looks like the son of God. God's son just calmed it all down and says, let's enjoy the, let's enjoy the fire tonight. <laughs> We're in it. So there are lots of times where the presence of Almighty God shows up in the lives of his people. Now, God promised that one day he would dwell with his people pers- permanently, personally and permanently by the efforts of the Messiah. 2 Corinthians 6. Uh, now, Andrew, would you look at 2 Corinthians 6.16? 6, <clears throat> This is your portion of scripture you preached from the other week. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So God says, I will dwell in them and walk with them. And that's all because of who? How is that possible? Some dumb dog Gentile has God wanting to live in me like a temple. I'm not much of a temple, would I be? But he comes along and says, you're good enough for me. That's way cool. All right, so there's the promise of his presence. Let's talk about the problems of his presence. John chapter 1. Jennifer, John chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. You know, um, uh, i got to keep a thought here so I don't lose it, all right? Uh, the, there are several problems with, with the presence of God. First of all, the first one is, he is taken, he is already near us. Most atheists are looking for God to show up when he's already here, all right? If it weren't for God, you'd fall apart. New, nuclear physics doesn't work without a supernatural force. Every one of your atoms, forget the molecules, every one of your atoms shouldn't be bound together, and yet they are. Einstein called it the strong force, but they shouldn't be working. And electrons flying around that thing, 10,000 miles an hour. I mean, if I had a baseball and it's flying around my head at 1,000 miles an hour, 10,000 miles an hour, it's going out. It's not going to come back around me like a boomerang, yet it's held in there. You have electrons, protons, neutrons sitting there holding that nucleus together. It shouldn't be working. It's one of the most amazing things. Physics just says it works. Of course it does, because God made it work. His presence, we take it for granted. That's a problem with his presence. He's already here. If it weren't, the Bible says, by him, all things consist. If it weren't for Jesus Christ, nothing would work. So we can take it for granted. You know, when mom's always there, when mom's always fixing dinner, when mom's always uh, doing the, the, the ironing and the cleaning and making the house spotless, when mom is already making sure all the clothes are put away, you know, we take it for granted, amen? Then when she disappears, we're like, man, this is miserable. Because we take it for granted. How much more God? So that brings us to the next one, that is he can be missed or he can go unnoticed. You know, there are a lot of Christians who, they have the Lord in their life, but they don't notice him. That's scary. He's not overpowering like he used to be in their life. People, when, when, when God is being good to them and patiently waiting on, on somebody, 
I say an unsaved person. They're just going through life. They go, where is God? Where is God? You know where God is? He's waiting. And the fact that he's patiently waiting is the best gift they could be given while he's waiting for them to turn to him. And because of that, people can miss him and can forget about him. Uh, now, that brings, he can be missed or go unnoticed. He can actually, uh, uh, it can be said that he really is not even wanted. Go to Psalm 14. Psalm 14. Here was Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. They didn't even know he was there. When he came to his own people, they didn't accept him. So Psalm 14, verse 1. Mona. Wow. Now, the whole psalm is, is, a, is an ex- expose on the human heart. But the truth is, uh, people don't want God. There is no God. You can't make that statement unless you are a what? A fool. Only the fool says there is no God. So you have to deny all the evidence to be able to say there is no God. So it, it, it's the reason why we have so many people who believe in evolution... They don't believe in God. You know why? Because to them, he's not wanted. And I want your God. That's the truth of it. Uh, you know, when you were a kid, did you have a little brother, a little sister that your mom always sent in to check on you? Did you have a little brother, a little sister? I had one little brother and a little sister. And, and you know, I'm just minding my own business and my little brother would peek in. Get out of here! <laughs> but he was sent to spy on me for my mom, you know? And, and we didn't want our little brother there. If I had to go to the store, I had to take my sister with me. Uh, why did I have to take my sister with me? Because mom wanted to make sure I came back and I didn't do anything wrong. And you know, just like you don't want your little brother or your little sister, you don't want God in your life either. You don't want anybody telling on you. You don't want anybody catching you. That's why you don't want God. So, um, uh, you know, the feelings of a, of a, of a person who's not saved... When they, when they come and they start learning about God, they want to run as far away from possible because they don't want him. What do they want? They want a genie. They want somebody who keeps them out of the hospital, keeps them out of prison. That's all they want. You know what you need? A savior. You need somebody who keeps you out of hell. Now, this goes on a little further. The problem with the presence of, of Jesus is, by nature, he is against us. Let's go to Galatians 5.17, uh, Emrio. Galatians 5.17. You know, when uh, Peter was fishing, there in Luke chapter 5, he, um, uh, Jesus tells the disciples to launch out and to drop the net and, catch, and, and they'll catch fish. And Peter doesn't believe them, but he goes ahead and does it anyway. And when Peter brings up those fish into the boat, Peter tells Jesus to do what? Does anybody remember? He asked Jesus, says, depart from me. Leave me, for I am wicked. I, I don't believe, I'm not worthy of being your disciple. Because he realized, we don't belong together. I'm not like you. And, and by nature, we're opposites. So look at this, Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, Emreo. Right, now, that's a kind of a complicated verse, but there are two parts to you. There's your flesh, your body, your old nature, and the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit lusts, intensely desires for good things. Me, I intensely desire the wrong things. I just naturally do. And the two of them go against their contrary one to the other, so I'm like, I'm in, I'm in torment, so that I don't do what I should do. I don't even do what I want to do. So that's a truism that... I, when it comes to that presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, I've got to admit, he and I are like chalk and cheese. It, it just doesn't come natural for me to sense the presence of God. 
because I'm looking always for something that makes me happy, always looking for something that answers my needs. Let me ask you this. If we had a seminar on how to be a successful businessman, if we had a seminar or if we offered classes on happiness and on joy and on fulfillment, would we get people out? Because it's people-focused. But if you preach the righteousness and the holiness of God and you present a God who is perfect and holy and almighty and without sin and righteous and going to judge this world, you're going to have a small group. Amen? One is God-centered, one is me-centered. No wonder they don't want the Lord Jesus Christ. By nature, we're just opposites. Go to James 4.4. 4. James 4.4. 4. Go ahead. Do you mind, Christy? Wow. That's pretty strong. If I'm still going to keep my old friends in the world, and yet also try to be the friend of God, what does the Bible say? It's enmity. It's warfare. I'm, I'm holding on to my old friends, my old life, and yet trying to get along with God, it won't work. That's the point. And so no wonder most of us don't sense the presence of God because he's not really wanted. We want him to get along with our friends. And that's not how he works. He, God doesn't change himself to get along with us. You know what he does? He asks us to start all over and get born again so that we're like him. All right, so one more. When we do want his presence, something happens. Our sin that we hold on to actually blocks him from being sensed. Isaiah 59, Brother Martin, Isaiah 59. Verses 1 and 2. Start, start in verse 1, if you don't mind. 1 and 2. Wow. So it's not just hiding his ears. Our sin can hide his face so that we can't, we just don't see him. We don't sense him. We don't know that he's there. It was very important. When we do want his presence, what usually stops him from being sensed? Sin. Sins and iniquities. All right. So, um, let me get to the person of the presence. This is going to maybe just be the groundwork for next week. Matthew 1, verse 23. Matthew 1, 23, Bill. Hey, by the way, if I can go back to this, I have a thought. If you do want his presence, but you don't seem to still sense him, you need to be like, you need to look at yourself like King Saul should have and said, am I happy with living without the presence of God? If any of you have gone with us through our Wednesday night studies and watched King Saul self-destruct, he self-destructed because he left the presence and the blessings of God, didn't he? And then when he sensed that God wasn't with him, he didn't try to get right. He just tried to just go on and he never humbled himself and he self-destructed. And so when there goes on a long period of time and there just isn't that closeness, it ought to just be a like a warning light on your dash in your car. You need to look at it and go, I need to pull over. I need to look at my heart and see, where did I miss it? Where did I miss it? So now, Matthew one twenty three, the presence, the person of his presence is Jesus. Bill, 123. All right, so who's the person of the presence of God? It is Jesus. And I'm talking about the Jesus of the Bible. 
I'm not talking about the one, the Jesus of the movies, or the Jesus of the modern mega church movement, but the Jesus of the Bible. You see, uh, when we talk about Jesus, we're not talking about a spiritual force or a feeling you might have, but a real person. Go to 1 John chapter 1 now. Justin, you want to read? Okay, you're going to read 1 John toward the end. He's got his electronic Bible there. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And watch these, watch these words. 1 John, just before Revelation, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Give everybody a chance to catch up. Not everybody has an electronic Bible to turn on to here. <clears throat> All right, go ahead. Watch that. Wow. Okay. Who is John talking about? Who is the word of life? It's Jesus. So, imagine, here's Dean. All right? There was a time when the word became flesh. And John says, I handled, I leaned on the Son of God. I heard him. He was man. He just, he sat next to me. That was as real as you can get. Would you agree? You see, when God became a man, that was the ultimate proof that he wants to be sensed, held, be known by his people that way. Not just intellectually, but sensed like he's there. There was never a time where the disciples woke up and it it was like when, when Jesus was there, it was like Jesus wasn't there. There were times when he was asleep, but he was there. And it, was, it must have been an absolute gut wrench after the resurrection when Jesus began to disappear. They were like, oh, how are we going to live without him being here? We were so used to him being present. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had that yearn to have that kind of sense? Because when you realize the very physical person of Jesus Christ was here, he wants you to sense him now even though he's physically not. Now, I'll develop that more next week, but just hold on. Uh, um, I have a lot to say. So, his name, Emmanuel, means what? God with us. What a great thing. Not just God above us, or God over us, but God with us. He was actually here 2,000 years ago, but nobody believed it. We read the verse already in John 1.10. He came into his own. His own received him not. Uh, and uh, 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 he made the world. And he was, in the, uh, but, uh, he was in the world, and the world knew him not. There we go. Thank you. So, but I want you to go. I'll go ahead and take you there as well. John chapter 1, verse 30 and 31. Back to John. Let's see, Mr. Eric. John 1, 30 and 31. <clears throat> Thirty and thirty-one. This is John the Baptist speaking now. So John the Baptist, even though he was a cousin of Jesus, he didn't realize Jesus was the Messiah. He just knew, "I'm out here baptizing, and God's going to show me who the Messiah is." So you see that thing where. Uh, when Jesus came along, John said, Behold the Lamb of God. He pointed right at him. He was physically there. Wouldn't it be something where, at the name of Jesus Christ, in our hearts and even in our knees, we would bow and we realize he's real. There's just something we're missing. So he was here 2,000 years ago. He grew up, I like this. Go to Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52, verses 1 and 2. Tony? Is that where I want? No. 
He shall grow up as a tender plant. Is it 50? No, is it? 53, 1 and 2. You are exactly right. Isaiah 53, please. Verses 1 and 2. 53. Now, that's going to lead to my point next week about when you do sense the presence of God, he's not going to be what you want him to be. He's not going to be this wonderful, ooey-gooey feeling. He's not this, this, he will bring such change in your life, but it's not going to be like, like you want or you expect. When he came, he came not as this mighty Iron Man Hulk into into the world, he came as a tender plant, and he lived among people, and they didn't realize that he was God in the flesh. Uh, he was actually physically, we're talking about the person of the presence of God, God was actually physically present with mankind for 33 and a half years, and they didn't realize it, and they ended up killing him. I wonder what we do. You know what the Bible says? We grieve the Holy Spirit. We frustrate him, because we don't sense that that's God in us. Uh, and then he had to physically leave. Now, this brings up my final point. You know, Jesus could only be in one place at one time when he was on the earth. He was stuck out in the middle of the, uh, uh, I think they call it Valley Go Backwards. Out in Galilee. I mean, who knew about Jesus Christ? How could he impact anybody else except a few people over in the desert in Israel? You know how he do it? By leaving and coming back a different way. Uh, let me show you a couple of verses here. Uh, he had to physically leave so that, so that he could be with everyone, no matter where they would be. Uh, go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17, Brother, uh, Brother uh, Dan. Uh, no, let me go back here. I'll get John. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. All right, it goes on and on. But wait a minute, where was Christ living for 33 and a half years? Israel. But because he left, he now can dwell in my heart just by faith. Romans 8, 9. Ruth, Romans 8 and verse 9. Watch how strong these verses are. Romans 8 and verse 9. Hmm. Okay, so where does the Spirit of God live? Cool, all right, let's look at another one. Look at John 14 and verse 16. Now, Brother Dan, John 14, 16. So we have Jesus dwelling in our heart. The Spirit, John 14 and verse 16. Wow. Chapter 16 and verse 7 now. Who's the comforter, Brother Dan? The Holy, the Holy Spirit. 16 and verse 7. Please? Yes, please. Oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come on you. Wow. Now go back to chapter 14 in verse 23, and you'll just see something absolutely mind-blowing. Who's, who's the we? That's cool. All right. So as a Christian, God has promised not only Jesus, he's, he's actually said, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to him. So he gives us the Son, he gives us the Spirit, and then he says, I even give you 
myself. God the Father says that. And I live in you. So I'm glad he left. That was uh, uh, John 14 and verse 23. uh, 14, 23. We will make our abode. Here's the the challenge, and I'm going to stop here. I'm going to give you just two other little closing thoughts here. But the challenge as we come next week is, how do I start to sense that he's here uh, and, and that he's in my life? You can come up with at least two or three things. You ought to be able to come up with two or three things. Answered prayer would be one of them. How do I, how do I, but there is, there is some things that you need to look at and go, all right, how do I sense his presence? All right, um, uh, so how can we become more aware of his presence? I'll give you two thoughts, and then I'll leave the other six for next week. First of all, number one, pray always. Pray always. This is your signal to him that you are seeking him. If you're not willing to pray, he's not going to reveal himself. He's not going to manifest himself. If you're not serious enough to spend time with him, he says, I'm just going to stay quiet. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you, but he will go quiet. Uh, let's go to Proverbs 8.17. Proverbs 8.17, Gavin. It's in the Old Testament. Proverbs 8.17. All right, so do you leave God off to the last minute or do you have a constant walk with God? You better have a constant walk with God because that's when you'll find him. When you're sort of just, you know, I'll call you when I need you, you're not going to find him that way very easily. So pray always. It is a, it is a, a, a work that a Christian should do. You don't work to get saved. But wow, if I want to sense his presence... I need, to, I need to make time where just he and I talk. Go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, Kathy. Revelation 1, 10. And who was that voice, according to the next verse, saying, amen. All right. All right, hold there. We just go on and on. I could have you preach all night. Amen. That's good stuff. It goes on to Revelation, the most exciting things. But John is there. He's on the Isle of Patmos. He's a prisoner. He's breaking rocks. He's, he's going to live out the rest of his days as a prisoner of Rome. But he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And guess who shows up? Jesus Christ. How many are in the flesh tonight? Let me see your hands. How many are in the flesh? Every one of you. You need to get in the spirit. That's the time where you just, you learn to pray and you're looking and listening for him. Secondly, I'm only going to give you two of them. Listen to him speak from his own words. We read from somebody who was reading 1 John. It was Justin. I want to show you the other two verses and then we'll be done. I keep telling you that, but I am true. 1 John chapter 1. Go back a few pages. 1 John. Nita, verses 1, 2, 3, 4 now. And listen to the same Apostle John as he speaks about conveying the sense of the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. 1 John 1, verses 1, 2, 3, 4. So, Nita, did John and the other disciples handle, hold, hug, hear, see the word of life? John here writes and he says, and I'm going to write these things so that you not only have fellowship with us, but you have the same fellowship with the same Son of God that we did. So, listen, when you read your Bible, listen to him speak. 
because that is the means by which he talks to you. And if you want to sense the Spirit of God, don't go off into a corner and get into the lotus position. Because some of us would never get out. Don't meditate your way into another level of consciousness. You're wasting your time. Pick up your Bible and read it and listen as if he was speaking to you. You say, I get nothing out of it. Keep reading. And read. Boy, as I'll talk about with some other ingredients, you can read it and have no faith and it'll do you no good. Read it like he's actually talking to you. Some of these portions of Scripture, I think God wrote just for Craig Ledbetter. I don't care whether you get anything out of it. I jumped out of my skin reading it. I think he put it in there just for me. Amen. So, uh, that's enough. i got to stop there. There's six more things you can do to become aware of the, the presence of God. Is he with you always? Yeah. You can know that intellectually, can't you? But you can't sense it so much of the time. Uh, next week, I'll talk about those six other things, and we're going to stop now. Any questions? I'm not going to tell you too much. Yes, Marcus. They actually do. They actually are three different persons of the Godhead, okay? So they do have different personalities. Uh, the Son is subject to the Father, isn't he? That's a different personality, all right? Spirit, the Holy Spirit never speaks of himself. He always honors the Son and the Father. That's a different personality. So when you get the whole package, sometimes there's, you can sense the Holy Spirit working in your life. Sometimes you can sense the Father. The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You can sense his strength. Sometimes the Son influences you. And you're sensing, this is God driving me. This is God. Now sometimes, it's none of them. It's the devil or it's your flesh driving you. But you start to sense. I know when God's working. Anybody else got a question or a thought? Yes, sir, Paul. It was all the above. They heard and they begged uh, because God actually promised in Exodus chapter 19, he says, I will speak to them. And when they heard his voice, they trembled and they begged Moses, tell God not to speak to us. It is terrifying us. You, and they actually said, you go up there, you talk to him, and we'll be happy with that. It was a voice at the very first. Yes. Any other thoughts or questions? Yes, sir, Ian. Mm -hmm. I can only say in my own experience, I think I've heard his voice save my life once, okay? Uh, when I was driving on a back road going to Blarney and, and I was on the wrong side of the road and God said, left. And I said, somebody said left. There's nobody else in the car. So can God? I, God can do anything he wants, all right? Um, and, uh, but I don't, I don't ask for him to speak to me audibly. I think I'd be a fool to because the devil's a good counterfeiter. So when, when God needs to speak, he will speak. He spoke to Saul of Tarsus, didn't he? He said, Saul, Saul, Jesus spoke to him. Um, so, but I don't count on it. All right? If he's already spoken in the word, even Jesus said it. He said it to uh, the rich man in hell. The rich man said, send Lazarus back to my family. I have five brothers. And if, that, if a man raised from the dead spoke to him, they would believe. And, and Abraham said, even if one raised from the dead spoke to them, they will not believe. They have Moses, the written word, and the prophets, the written word. Let them hear them. So sometimes we want God to do more than he already has. Now, sometimes God can give, uh, you know, I don't, I don't put much into dreams. There are books about dreams. I think they're a waste of money. But, you know, I do pray for my dad to have nightmares about hell. <laughs> I pray for God to give people bad dreams sometimes. I know he can. So does that make sense? God does speak. But I'm clear on this. He'll never speak different than the Bible. And if he's already spoken in the Bible, he does not have to speak any other way. Okay? So, all right. Yes, sir. Hmm. Yeah. I have, I have heard the Lord speak too many times, thousands of times. As I read, it's just like the Lord saying... Do you get that? Do you get that? Are you listening? Are, you, is, 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 are we on the same page? As I'm reading, I know it, we're, the, the Spirit, the Father, 
working on my heart, trying to get me in unison with him, and I can just sense he's talking to me, but he's, he's talking using his own words already. They're not new words. That's right, that's right. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. All right. Okay. I just want to whet your appetite. I've only given you the first half, and then I'll finish uh, the last half and then those last six things. But the things that I've learned about sensing the presence of God, you say, do you sense the presence of God all the time? No. No, and, 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 and it's... Uh, I'll give you some examples next week of some people. When you do sense the presence of God, you can't, you can't understand it. You can't, you can't explain it to anybody. You just know God's working on your heart. You know God's dealing with you about something. And you and God need to talk. You and God need to deal with it. And it's the most wonderful thing. But it'll usually be against what you want. I have found that 99 times out of 100, whenever God does something in your life, it's not what you expect. Like, God, I want, please put my heart at rest. And the Lord says, no. I have to shake you up a little further. I've got to heat things up a little bit further. And it may not be for you. It'll be for his overall plan he's doing in somebody else's life. But he's there, and he'll speak to you, and his presence will be awesome. Did Jesus protect Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from going in the fire? No. Didn't protect them from going into the fire. But when they got in the fire, they sure were glad he was there. Amen? So next time you're headed into the lion's den, I kind of think when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, I bet you Daniel went, Lord, are you here? (laughs) He just expected him to be there. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Now what it says is that the Lord shut the mouths of the lions. That'll work for me too. Amen? (laughs) But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got to sense the presence of Jesus Christ. You need to want that. Be willing to take it however it comes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the challenge tonight. I pray you encourage your people. I pray that we would walk with you and talk with you. And that as we do spend time in prayer, that we would spend time in prayer, and we do, and as we would read our Bible, and that we would do it with with protected time, that we would sense your presence. Because just like here tonight, you make a lot of promises if only we believe them, that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. There I will be in the midst of them. You make that promise, if only we started to sense it. That this isn't about us, this isn't about how many people come, this isn't about the, 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 the feelings and the fun, this is about, is Jesus Christ here tonight? And if he is, are we yielded? Are we listening Are we sensing his presence? If only we would want that. So bless this week, God. I pray it would be just a blessed week with your presence as you go with us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you.